0: Hey, podcast listeners, Katie here from Team Gary. Today's episode is an interview Gary did with David Meltzer, who is a speaker, best selling author, and CEO of Sports One Marketing. They talk a lot about sports in David's new book. Enjoy the episode and please tweet at Gary V with any episode feedback. Enjoy your weekend. Gary V up next.
1: This is the Gary V audio experience. What's up, podcast? Uh, as Lately, as you guys know, I've been trying to do a mix up of some content. So, we did one or two of these already, and they've gone really, really, really well. So, I'm going to continue that. Uh, just a discussion. Uh, and today's discussion with Dave Meltzer is around his new book, uh, around his career. You've probably seen content with us. We've become friendly over the last two years. Kind of one of these perfect storms where you're crossing into each other's yard. I'd almost, let me put you a really good analogy. Danny, you can close it yeah. if you want. Um, Let me give you a fun analogy. Imagine um, two kids move into a neighborhood in the '80s when kids went outside, and one kid's got a pool, and is swimming, and the other kid's great goal of moving into the neighborhood was to learn swimming. And the other kid, see, uh, happens to be really good at basketball, and the kid with the pool's great goal is to get better at basketball. That is the picture for us. You know, Dave had a tremendous career in the sports agency world, and as AJ and I were foraying into that world, you know, he kind of raised his hand and said, hey, I think I can help you guys. I learned a lot of things to do and a lot of things not to do. Um, and at the same time, I think he was getting very intuitive of the rise of entrepreneurs and culture, building content around that, and and then what that really means, you know, modern day personal branding around the space. And so we have a lot of, you know, we have a ton of similarities, we have differences like everybody else, but he, he's become a, a gentleman that is, you know, some of my favorite things that are going on in my life is when I get to use Vayner Sports as escapism from my chaos. It's obviously a business. You know, Vayner Sports reminds me a lot of VaynerMedia in that VaynerMedia. The first two years, I still had to do the wine thing. The Gary B. Crush it came out, so the Gary V thing started, and I was stretched in. I was very passive, but I got us the clients. And uh, and similar with Vayner Sports right now. You know, obviously AJ and team run that very aggressively, but I'm involved in recruiting and big brand stuff and. You know, some of my favorite things is when I get to do the Sports stuff and Dave is so in the business of sports and an icon in that world so I do get to see him at the Combine and Super Bowl and ESPY's week and stuff of that nature so he's in the office here in New York and we're about to have a little discussion mainly because I want everybody who's listening to buy his book mainly because he's competitive and wants the book to be successful and I've been flabbergasted by how well books have done on our podcast so uh, honestly I feel like my relationship with the audience is so fucking transparent at this point um, I just, I'll tell you why I want you to buy the book. I have no fucking idea what's in the book. I don't read shit. Uh, I know the person that wrote it uh, and I think that I love books for a weird reason. I'm so digital-doubt, um, but I'm fascinated by people that love to consume. I, I like eliminating friction and a lot of people consume content in a lot of different ways. I also like the price of books. I'm uh, super fascinated by what's the ROI of 12, 15, 25 bucks and so I've just been You know, obviously all my content's free, all your content's free, but it's fascinating to watch people um, get, you know, consume me every day and then for four years, then buy the 1333 or 1999 book on Amazon, read it, and their brain learns that way and then good shit happens. And that's why I do books and free content and podcasts and, you know, whatever helps you. And so for some of you, this 30 minutes is going to help you. And for others, you know, Game Time Decision Making, the new book, is going to help you. And that, my friend David, is how I've set it up. You take it away.
0: Well, you know, thank you, by the way, because you've taught me so much. And the book is catalytic in the fact that I've utilized what I think I learned from you, which is I really watched you and studied you. And I knew that you worked hard, right, Eastern European, work hard, you work smart, which I respected. But what i realized, because to me, you're younger. Right? Yep. I know we deal with a lot of younger people. Yep. But you were one of the few people that got working long. And I don't mean long hours. I know. You, you have this serious, long perspective, which is part of decision-making because the strategy of digital content is the perpetuation.
1: Hold on one content. second, Daniel. You don't react often. And I caught, you know, like, is, was that a big, like, is that like a, been a huge observation for you since you joined a team? Like, it's... Yeah way longer than people realize? Oh yeah, and it's one thing where to see it in a video, it's different to see you every single day. Do it every day,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think why I give my content away for free and I've always even given my books for free. Mm-hmm. Right? And part of the reason I gave my books for free is because nobody knew the hell I was, right? I was at yeah, least hyper, I mean, guys are warm. You, you,
1: also, you also, in my opinion, from afar, were smart about it. That, the model of that generation of self-publishing but giving it away for free, as you, I'm sure as you said to your buddies over a beer, when you first started doing it, they're like, the fuck are you doing, bro? Why are you <laughs> yeah. giving it away for free? You would say, it's a lot better than a business card. Absolutely. Like, That's what you it know, was. It was a business development tool.
0: And I knew, I actually had confidence like you do when I do my videos that it's good. And I will tell you, more people said, what the fuck are you doing when I first started doing videos and you're telling me do more videos? I had to learn real radical humility. Yes. Because, I was a season 50 yes, 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 man yes. who people were like, Where are you going to speak in the bathroom Dave, today, Dave, Dave?
1: Dave, I'll tell you something. I actually, it's funny you said that and just spurred a thought. I actually, just knowing that what I like about you is what I like about a lot of people, which is it's, there's this, just this net game of progress. You know, like winning comes in so many forms. You know, I somehow, through sheer luck, I don't know what else to say, DNA, circumstance, I'm only really understanding it now. I, unlike a lot of people that look like us, to your point, the one, I have some, I look like a lot of the people that we're similar to and then I have some weird, which is why I think I'm breaking out and will break out in such a big way. I have some funny nuances. AKA, for so alpha and Jersey and Eastern European and that whole kind of crew, I've now come to realize I was the least interested in money out of everybody else who looked just like me. And that led to a totally different mapping. Right, I actually think that you doing the model at your not only age, career experience, where you came from, how you perceived yourself, let alone everybody else, I would argue that the humility to actually go all in on the model, outside of that I know that you knew it was smart. Because I know, I was there from day one when you started yeah. poking and prodding. <laughs>
0: the first question.
1: <laughs> I know that you knew it was smart, I just still appreciate that you had the level of humility to do it and I would argue, back to you just net winning, that your biggest white space is to do it for people of either real success or age demo. I believe that the biggest actors and actresses and models in the world got fucked over the last seven years because when everybody started going on Instagram, they made fun of those people and said they weren't real. They're not real models. They're not real comedians. They're not real actors. And then they became the actual establishment. And now the people that were the A-list actors and models that were on magazines and comedians have lost a lot of their leverage to the people that went from Instagram famous to just famous. MySpace famous just became famous for Dane Cook and Tila Tequila. Twitter famous. Like, that's what people, YouTube famous just becomes famous. And I think that, that's something you should be thinking about.
0: Absolutely. Because very few people have done it. And you did the same thing in the sports realm. One of the things I picked up on right away is, you know, the fact that you were open to listen to me about the sports stuff and the fact that it's a long game. And with what you do, what I saw you winning was, you were very humble in the first place said you're not going to get a quarterback. Right? I've been in this game, and I know why people... Lee Steinberg got Pat Mahomes for one reason. Because Lee Steinberg represented his dad. I know. Gary Vaynerchuk had no chance of ever representing his dad. That's right. Right. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. Every kid that grows up for the next 10 years, now those will become dads. And those kids also, there'll be no choice when they've gone through college and said, you know what, the best thing I've learned in college is watching... Gary V. videos, or even Dave Meltzer videos, who tells them, I'd go with Vayner, Vayner Sports. Now they're going.
1: I remember a meeting we had, and I appreciate the compliment, where we were at CS in Vegas. And we were in the big convention hall, which was rare for me, but I had to do a piece of content for Samsung or something. Yep. And we had like a 20, 30, 40 minute call. Forget a uh, meeting. Forget about the one we had at Super Bowl, when we first kind of met. And I remember knowing that you understood at the CS event, that what I was actually up to. Because what you had to bring to the table, which was amazing, is like, hey, Troy Aikman, like, like, I can help you. And what I noticed by this, this is probably, you know, it's funny, I basically lean into people based on their ability to read me. Because I'm actually a little bit confusing. <laughs> and so, what was really interesting was that, it was the CES meeting, where we went through basically another version of what we did at the Nike event at Super Bowl when we first met. And I remember something in your eye or just the way you reacted, I knew that you actually now got it, which was, I don't give a fuck if everybody doesn't think, like I didn't need Vayner Sports to right. be winning in year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't care that in two years from now, if everybody's whispering, oh, big shot Gary and AJ thought they were gonna come in here and dominate. What's going on? They're still fucking tier four. I don't care because I know how it's gonna end up.
0: Right, and there's that long side. And I really took to heart the same thing with media. It was like, you know, if I could get 100 people to tell me they really I'd changed their life, and it took a whole year to get 200, and then a whole another year to get 400, it's the same game as, as the sports profession. Eventually, even if it took till I was 70, I'd have a million people. Right? In my mind, if I had a million people that I changed their what life. What
1: would you, Dave? You know, I actually don't really actually know the answer to this question. Straight up, and you know I love radical candor, and I know that you've transformed, I see it. Like, you know, you famously talk about losing a lot of money. Like, that only comes from bad behavior. That comes from overvaluing things. So you've gone through a process. You're still in it, the same way I am. As radically transparent as you can be, because I'm actually fucking curious. Right this minute, hot take, what's this all about? Forget about the selflessness that I think we both agree on, because I do know a lot about your selflessness. But I do think selfishness leads to a foundation to do incredible selflessness. I'm going very narrow, because you don't talk about it as much. You don't play those, none of us really fully play our cards, but to the best of your ability, what, from a selfish standpoint, from a business framework, from a business thing, or, and forget about the fulfillment of good, like truly as narrow as it can get, much like I talk about I want to create the financial wealth to buy the New York Jets. That's not super selfless. You know, <laughs> right now, currently, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, what is it that you want this, all this attention that you're going to amass? What do, you, what do you think you want to deploy it against?
0: So initially, it was profitability to $100 billion. I over $100 million, and I could never figure out $100 billion. And my idea was I could change the world with money. Meaning I could afford to allow that money to come through me, have everything I ever wanted, my kids ever wanted, but more importantly, really change the world. And where my perspective has changed, though, is that I realized along the way that in order to do that, the biggest problem I see, truly, and, and I'll always have, I have an unconscious competency to make money. I mean, as a millionaire, nine months out of law school, you do. Yeah,
1: too. yeah, yeah. Listen, so, that, and,
0: that I know about you. And yeah. I like to do it. Yeah. But I like to do it because of what I shop for. And I finally learned to shop for the right things with my money. Yeah. And so we're...
1: Did you use it to, to, like for you was it, as you now psychoanalyze yourself, what security, insecurity were you trying to close?
0: I still have this energy in me. So I was a liar, a manipulator, overseller, back-end seller because I wasn't enough. Because I grew up poor with a single mom, yep. six kids, yep. and I was so jealous Scrappy. of these yep. of these kids that weren't smarter than me. They weren't hard, and their dad was a doctor. Their yep. dad was yep. a lawyer, and in my mind, they always looked down on me. I was always yep.
1: like this. No, you know, woman. I, I I also talk about not that often because it's not fun to talk about. Also, you know, having the ability. W- look, when you have the gift of gab, somewhere along the line, whether it's 14, nine, twelve, fourteen, you're like, wait a minute. I can make anybody do anything. I, when I think about what I can do, like if you ask me my favorite thing, the thing that truly makes me feel good is that the sheer damage that I could do to society is extraordinary.
0: I, with you. I get that.
1: I just know it.
0: I get that. I know I it. it. There's a
1: fine, fine line between Barack Obama and Adolf Hitler. It, it really is. It's a finer line than people realize. Nonetheless, I get it.
0: Yeah. So for me... By the way,
1: real quick for everybody who's listening and this is why I say a lot of the things that I say public. I always talk about how I'm a byproduct of my mom and I, like whatever my mom did for me I do for the world. You know, this is... In this moment I just realized this is actually just realized just now I'm doing the same thing what my dad did for me. My dad is such not a liar is so uncomfortable... My dad's uncomfortable with embellishment. Right. With embellishment. Like... I remember vividly saying, Dad, we sold like 30 cases of this wine. And like the next day, he like yelled it and he's a tough Russian dude, like got mad at me. He's like, we sold 26 cases of that wine.
0: It's a big deal to be wrong.
1: And so he scared me. Like there's nothing else to say. And it really transformed me and it saved me because I think I wouldn't have been as good. I think there was a kindness level and, an in, and a lack of an insecurity that kind of, pro- but I still am so much better than I would have been. And I think a lot of the content I put out that puts pressure on people is me poking at the truth. Yeah. You know how many kids right now that are 24 stopped listening to me when I started talking more about mommy and daddy subsidizing them?
0: <laughs>
1: they don't like it. Right. You know, I, I gave this talk at USC and I was shitting on the parents and the kids were cheering because there was parents and kids. And then I went into the 24 year olds, you're getting paid, and watching the parents perk up with smiles and the kids squirm, it was rewarding. Makes sense, brother.
0: Yeah, and that led to what you do as well. Is I think we have a huge problem that can be addressed by people like you and I, and in a variety of different ways. I just believe it's simple. There's a happiness problem. I read I, I read this thing. The average person in America is happy 15 days a year.
1: That's absurd.
0: Absurd. The number one cause of I've been death. happy the
1: last 15 days in a row.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not happy all day, but I'm happy every day. Yeah. And two... Suicide is the number one cause of death for people under 50. So, and I, I bring this up now because growth
1: or gro- growth and like percentage growth, percentage yeah, growth
0: over over yeah, percent, yeah. Oh, but percentage 50, growth. Just the fact, that, forget about opiates and all these other things that were fulfilling people, you know, with a false sense of fulfillment. I started saying, you know, why because people don't understand one thing. And, and you bring it up that one girl when I was in Hong Kong started crying just because I knew you and she's like you have to tell him she goes you have inspirational stuff but Gary changed my life i go what changed your life that Gary did cuz i want to learn what he yeah. did told me that if you're depressed nobody cares there's the truth and you know what and
1: that, you know that's tough territory oh, like God i and tough. by the way given the kind of culture and political climate we're in you know i always am, like i believe it more than anything but i don't spew it at the highest levels because it could come across insensitive which yeah. i respect but man it's actually liberating. We have to figure out how to get people to understand how good that is. It's that's why it worked for her. By, by the way, by the, the way, I've never said this publicly. By a country mile, the number one thing that people reach out to me about, privately, that has changed them, from depression, opiates, drugs, uh, suicidal thoughts, depression, all is nobody cares. <laughs> <sighs> that's awesome. And it's tough. It's tough because you got to find the right way to deliver the message. But once you realize that nobody cares, it leads to a series of things that mainly get you to this weird place of you not caring about anybody's opinions. And that's where it really, like that's where you go. Like, you know, that's that's where you go. And once you stop actually worrying about other people's, like, man.
0: I think it's even worse than worrying. People actually put faith in other people's opinion and manifest what other people want for them. And that's how they end up depressed and resentful and so the idea of the book and the idea of my Please. mission now is to literally deal with one choice. How can I teach people utilizing sports stories or these you know extraordinary people that we look up to like your Joe Namath? Yep. But how can I teach you to make a choice? I believe that when you wake up you have one action. Everything else that occurs before you go to sleep is a reaction, which means you have to make a choice of what's happening. That choice has to be to be happy. I, so in the book, I come up with simple examples. What if every time you thought or said, I have to do this, you simply took a second and said, why do I get to do this? Now, that's a choice to be happy, right? Taking out the trash. No, you get to do it. Start thinking why. It changes your complete perspective.
1: By the way, you're, you're super on it because I'll tell you right now, intuitively, that's what I've done my whole life. I don't want to do this. Better than having cancer and being in a bed right, right now. I, that sucked. Better than my mom getting hit by a car right now. Like I basically multiple times, I was thinking about you saying I'm, not hap- I'm happy every day but not in every moment and every day. And I thought about, that, you know, you're talking and I'm thinking and I'm like, man, I'm happy a lot during the day. And then where my head went just now is like, oh right, I'm just like everybody else. I also have unlimited amounts of things that start the process of unhappiness. It's just that within seconds I go directly to or I could literally be not paying attention, talking to D. DRock across the street, get hit by an 18-wheeler, and trend on Twitter for 24 hours and never have a life again. You know, like so like, like, I really go that extreme. Somehow, and I know this, since I was somewhere around nine, I started fearing things. My mom's gonna die, my dad's gonna die. Like, just fear around the health and well-being of the most important people in my life. And I basically have been practicing for 35 years that the second something upsetting enters my head, I immediately go into my wife and kids are driving and an 18-wheeler tipped over and smashed them. And I actually live it and I feel it, like in a way that would really blow your mind.
0: Well, this one probably resonates with you because I've had it one time in your life, I'm sitting there third year in law school, $100,000 worth of loan in a recession, praying to God saying, look, you let me buy my mom a house and a car and pay off my law loans.
1: And I'll be shovel, the happiest, but yeah.
0: I'll shovel shit with my hands 12 hours a day, six days a week. So when I ended up with two job offers and an opportunity to make six figures and ended up making seven figures in nine months, and I'll tell you how, by the way, because people ask me all the time, how the hell do you make that? Because I had a $250,000 year job at plan, right? It's a sales job, selling legal research, and I figured out a way to work 10 years in nine months. People are like, how did you do that? I worked productively 16 hours a day. I worked at being twice as efficient, so I had 32 hours of productivity. Then, statistical success, I knew I didn't have a, a territory where everybody knew me. I knew I wasn't as good as the older guys that had been doing it 20 years, but I knew one thing, I could get 40 appointments in a week instead of 10, and if even at a lower closing rate, I could close, be productive twice as much. So I worked eight days of productivity every day, seven days a week. If you take 56 days a week, and you take it into nine months, I actually only performed at a $100,000 a year rate for 10 years and made a million dollars in nine months. No, they changed my comp plan. I got it. But people don't think in the math. I literally am a math person, and I can see you do it on your videos. I do it. You have worked out how to beat people with math.
1: You know what's funny, and I'm not, and I do that intuitively, like, you know, it's funny, me and and Andy or something, oh yeah, me and Andy were going to Penn Station because we went to DC, and I did something, and then we were like talking about something like, Andy, do you know that I, always cross the street on green lights because and I never knew why and right in this moment I just finally for the first time in my entire life figured it out I value time over everything yeah like literally that 13 seconds to get across the street because there's a huge gap between the two cars I'm gonna do it because it's 13 seconds I want it back and that's exactly right I've always intuitively I honestly think that's why I punted school I think at the most macro level, I'm like, this is not good value. Let me hone my skills. Let me hone my class clown skills, which turned into my speaking skills. Let me sell kids. I will never forget how much fun my good friends made fun of me, selling baseball cards during lunch, freshman year of high school. They're like, bro, you just crushed your social status in the first fucking month. You're trying to sell baseball cards to like hot girls of ninth grade. You're like finished. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck
0: yeah because people it's so funny because you know it's true people perceive a weakness from what other people think and I'll give you a story about SAP who's in this building yeah there my favorite story is they could not find people to test software seven years ago because you had to sit there and do the same thing all day long and human beings hate that yeah and so what the CEO literally has an autistic son and came home trying to figure out this problem and he's watching his son you know trying to love on him and he starts realizing God, this kid loves to do the same thing over mm. and over. They have 40,000 people with autism that they hired to test software.
1: That's amazing.
0: Strengths or weakness? And in my head, Hacks, like, I believe that's in what
1: that. I did. Somebody once figured out that sawdust was sellable. <laughs> somebody sold bottled water. That was invented. Something that was free. That literally, for everybody who's listening to understand how big of a deal that is, that would literally be like somebody selling oxygen in 10 years. Truly. Like, right,
0: which they already started kind of doing.
1: Yeah, but they, you know, they have. They have. It's a little different. you know. But like, so Dave, I want to, because I, I got to run out a little bit short and I want to. I want to get on some things. What For the audience, what, what else is in this book? What else is on your mind?
0: So I think how to make decisions. I think there's a lot of misbeliefs. I believe it's what we do before we make the decision. I also believe there's a conscious part of our decision, what we think, say, and do. There's a subconscious that is involved with our beliefs. And I really get into something that people don't think about, which is, I earlier said, the unconscious competency. Meaning, your personality traits, your characteristics, your obsessions and addictions, I believe, actually create a frequency or an energy that unconsciously provide us favor or provide us what we don't
1: want. It's why I talk about karma being practical.
0: Right. And I believe in a pragmatic spirituality as well. The same exact thing. And so, what's
1: happening in culture that's got your Let's go a little bit. Uh, yeah. Let's go a little bit high. What's happening in the game? In the game of media? In the game of sports? In the game? You know, you've done a good job in replicating some of the capabilities that I have. You know, your your camera men and women tend to be much taller than mine. <laughs> uh, you know, you did a OTT thing with Entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, you're watching these new kid athletes. Uh, you've got friends and family on different social networks. What are some of the? If I said the macro macro You know, DM5, the five things that are like you're looking at that are cool observations, just things on your mind.
0: It's amplification and perpetuation of traditional media. Okay. I think it's really important to understand that a lot of my strategy is about what is going to be looked at 10, 20 years from now that will still exist. So I actually build content today that is either used or not used knowing that there'll be a funnel of mm-hmm. understanding and stimulating of interest mm-hmm. into transitioning and sharing a vision that will actually impact people because mm-hmm. if I can impact them, the value. The advantage I have over it's
1: It's are- what I did in 10 by making all those videos that we now reboot. Exactly. Which create a lot of credibility because 90% of my audience are like, oh, well, he's the Instagram motivational guy now and they're like, holy fuck. Like the second yeah. they start seeing five, 10, 15 pieces of content, me saying the same shit a yeah. decade ago, it, Lends itself to credibility.
0: And if young people that are in this game as well aren't studying, you know, I'm doing this World's Greatest Motivator TV show Tuesday on WGN. Oh yeah. Bob Proctor, Brian Tracy, Mary Morrissey. Most kids listening to this don't know. Go look. If you don't realize the power of a Bob Proctor to a 50 year old multimillionaire and what I pay to get his advice. Yep. I understand that better than most people. And I see the transitions that have occurred and why Mickey Mouse that was invented in the 1940s in black and white whistling mouse has 470 million views. So one thing that you do, I think, unconsciously is you make sure your content has a frequency that has an infinity to it. It's, if, like you said, 20 years from now, that video is going to be even better. Just the way Mickey Mouse Club today is even better than when they created it. And that's the lens that I use in order to understand three things about frequency. One, the force of my signal. How far is that signal going? Because the audience is only growing and growing. Sure. Two, which is really important because I'm older, like you said, is what's the spectrum of my frequency? What, who, what channels am I mm-hmm. reaching? And it's not what we say, Gary. Like We say really simple stuff. But what we say, it's how it's resonating with them. I can tell people to say thank you, like you, some people get mad at me and say, you stole gratitude from Gary Vee, but most people stand in line and tell me I changed their life because I told them to say thank you when they go to bed and when they wake up. It's not what I'm saying. Something in the frequency or spectrum that I have of that signal is touching them that actually can impact the change.
1: Do you feel that you like admiration?
0: I'm like, I love the fact that yes, I'm a middle child and I know that's an ego-based conscience, yeah. but I feel good. I don't want to be overwhelmed because I've been in the sports world a lot yeah, yeah. where people jump on your lap and take a picture, yeah, yeah. but if one person comes up to me every day, yeah, like I love pumped. coming in here because like I love the fact that Gary Vee's employees are like, hey, I'm a big fan. It's awesome. I listened to the playbook, right? I read your book or whatever. Yep. I, I was like you and I will stay forever at a speech or whatever because I want to, one, recognize people, but two, I like the attention.
1: What's the biggest difference between the athlete today that Vayner Sports is going after, versus the athlete you were going after 20, 25 years ago. The off the field stuff was just.
0: Yeah, because you're your own brand. In fact, we see it not just in the money. And this is where we're going. In fact, one of your partners I'm working with to share this idea, but I have a multi-billion dollar investment bank that wants to take the athlete. so let's just take The Rock, for example. Instead of doing the Under Armour deal traditional way, let's go in and buy 40% with the investment bank, Mm -hmm. get rock in there mm-hmm. owning it now
1: you know the kylie jenner awareness changed the landscape people yeah. can say anything they want the day after everyone realized what the fuck everybody stopped wanting to take a 10 million dollar check up front and everybody wanted to own 50 percent of the business yeah and that's going to play out
0: and I, I would love to see you get more into basketball as well just be on the financial side and the awareness side because yeah, those lo- guys I mean, are so recognizable of course Problem with football is you got to get a quarterback
1: yeah, yeah, it's, it's you know, hard to see these guys. That's the beauty of like doing what you love, right? Yeah. Like we genuinely love. But basket, listen, basketball and esports are inevitable for for Vader sports. They're just fundamentally inevitable. Rapid fire, last 3-4 minutes. Yep. What uh what do you want to what do you want to talk about?
0: Uh, you know, for me, I want to really have you let everybody know, you know, why why you do what you do, meaning you know, you're out there, it's seven something at night here. You came back from California. You could have easily canceled on me. Right? We're friends. Yeah. You could have easily said, Dave, i got a family. It's Friday yep. night. You know, what is it that makes you different that, that made you come here tonight and stay late?
1: I love my process. You know, I, I know that this is important to you. You know, like, I w- it would have been a lot easier to cancel on you if it was maybe two or three other, th- in the last two or four times we hung out there were like, it was less light. It was lighter. Yeah, right. It was just like, hey, I need a piece of content. You know, like, cool. Like, I'm yeah. in town. Can we hang? Right. Of course. That's question. Listen, <laughs> I appreciate knowing, I, I'm humbled knowing that you producing content that has me in it is good for you. Like, I'm, I, that makes me feel great. The same way that that's been my process forever and continues to be. Like, I'm super pumped to go have dinner with Megan Rapino <laughs> or whatever. Like, like, I like that. Or the baby. Like, you know, um, you like that one? Um so the biggest reason the literal answer is I know that I could tell the last time we talked that you really want this book to do well I'm completely MIA for like the next six to seven weeks between Australia and the sports card convention next week which is amazing for me and then actual family vacation so it was kind of like I would have loved to and because it, it's eight, 18 not even seven right now but I knew that if I didn't allocate this time now that it would have who the fuck knows when we could have done it and uh, I wanted to deliver because I told you I would do it. Like old school shit, you know?
0: And then last issue In the
1: macro to answer? Yeah. And then I'll I'll give you some final spots. I really want to be the greatest entrepreneur of all time. I really do. And I really think I know how. And I think the answer is I need to do both. I need to be better than the Proctors and the Robins and the Oprahs in the fact that like I need to not monetize my audience. I genuinely believe that. Yeah. You know that's my point of Back view. Room, right? Like I wanna, like, the, like I'm just, like there are people building humongous businesses on the literal interpretation of my content on a daily basis and I have no equity in that. It's not a good business decision because I could have created garden walls like Facebook and Amazon and Apple and created, I mean at this point if I garden walled my world I'd have a humongous business, you know. Um, but I also need to build a humongous business. Like, I need to do both. I need to go out and build, you know, VaynerX is going to be a billion dollar organization. That's just, and I, I'm gonna, and I started it from scratch with AJ, and I've been, you know, obviously the dominant force behind it when we were together, and obviously he's been gone for a while, so like, that is gonna be a huge W on my resume. If I can, if you know, if you're Warren Buffett today, wow. or Jeff, if you're Jeff Bezos today, because that's a little, because investing's a little bit different. If you're Jeff Bezos today, But we also have 20, nah, let me give a real number. 2.5 million people running around that are independently self-sufficient financially because Bezos allocated that much time and effort. Well, he's in the, there's nothing even close. And I want to do that. I don't think I'll create the level of wealth, but I think putting up a billion dollar business on the board is enough to go along with truly changing the game for one to two million people. And then having another 10 to 20 million be affected for more of a happiness or fun. Like, you know, like, I think, and so that's it, that's why I do it. I really think it's fun to try to be the best entrepreneur, the greatest entrepreneur of all time, the most impactful entrepreneur. It's kind of like, why not? I always think about these things, like, why not? Like, sometimes I say something like, eh, and I'm like, like, am I saying anything so, like, why not? Yeah. So it's a little bit of why not.
0: Then nothing would happen if people didn't. L- last thing, so I know. Please. Spirituality, right? Yes. Nobody comes in here. I, I have a whole side of transcendental where right? I sit on the Transformational Leadership Council. You know, I meditate every day. I study the Course in Miracles. I believe there is a spirit or a force, and it's not a religious one to me, and yeah. I support people that do yeah. believe in that.
1: My religion I never gets.
0: Really, yeah, right. I, n- mm-hmm. I never really get a guy's and Justin, my Justin, who's like, I call him J Stone from D Rock. But me and Dustin debate all the time. You know, where your spirit... Because you, there's certain things about you that are very easy to determine. So I always wondered, like, where, where's your belief in the, the spirituality side? The, of any? I don't
1: know, because I'm super undereducated in this. I can tell you that because my family was... You know, I grew up in communism where religion was illegal. So for three generations, my family couldn't practice Judaism. Even though being Jewish got me out of the country. I... I I'm Jewish. It's not bad. It's not yeah. bad or good. Or, but I don't. I, I'm not kidding. I associate like when I see somebody wearing a Star of David walking by me on a necklace versus somebody walking by with a New York Jets hat. Like it's. I feel totally different. I'm not kidding. Yeah. So, so it's not core religion in the way we knew it. There's an inherent kindness, love everybody kind of thing that always makes me struggle with any regimes or politicians that suppress. So I'm always gonna struggle with that because I'm very net-net love people. Um, The number one thing is I've gotten more known that people throw at me is stoicism. I I get DM'd about that constantly. In the same way that I treat meditation, which is I think it's awesome, but I don't do it, is the same thing that I've done with stoicism. Though... Stoics, monks, like all sorts of interesting people have hit me up, outside of a very quick Google search, and kind of going through it, I still don't know what it actually fully is. Nice. So I've kept myself very pure, um, and uh, and that's what it is. Awesome. Well, you know, a lot of people are. I gotta go. To all right, brother. Thank you, brother. Go Keep out and going. get the book. Game time decision making. Is it pre? Is it available on pre-order on Amazon? It went number one release on Nice. Thursday. So it's out. It's out. Uh, go get it. Uh, it makes me even happier that i delivered on you did Daniel. let's make sure this is out next week enjoy guys Uh, check out Dave uh, Meltzer Dave what's your uh, what's your Instagram or Twitter at David Meltzer Uh, good to see you brother great to see you take care everyone bye bye thanks guys for listening please 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 share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world I'm watching (laughs) Have a great day.